Right, so we are live. People are just joining us now. Um, so we're just counting out the participants here. We're up to about 50, 70. So I'll get started. So guys, welcome to episode five of the sales surgery. Um, and after the announcement yesterday, I think we're definitely going to have at least three more. Um, but we're looking forward to continuing this journey as well. Um, hope you've all enjoyed the sessions last week and, and so forth. And today we've got another belter for you. Um, today we're discussing three main topics, which all are extremely relevant um, in the world that we're living in right now. Um, the first one being objection handling, how to overcome those objections. Um, as a mo at the moment, obviously, as salespeople, we've got a, a really relevant objection that we're overcoming, how we can overcome objections as a whole. Um, secondly, it's first impressions how we can wow somebody in the, in the first sentence, um, how we can create a long-lasting relationship as a result of that first impression. Again, cutting through that noise and, and time is of the essence at the moment. Um, so it's really important that we discuss that as well. And, and finally, we look at the art of uh, referrals, a really powerful tool in sales um, to gain trust um, and how we can work towards generating those at this time. Um, so I'm joined today, um, as ever, by Gabby Crofts, um, who's our Southern Sales Director at Hi. Um And also, I'm delighted to be joined by Andy Bounds, who's an award-winning author. Um, I think he's worked in over, with businesses in over 40 countries, um, with total new sales of over $20 billion. Um, so definitely somebody that we'd love to speak to. And we're, we're really excited about this one, Andy. So, uh, so yeah, thank you. And, uh, and how are you? You're welcome. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, everything's good. It's great to be here. Um, fire away. What should we talk about, Jack? Well, let's kick off with referrals um, to start with. So, so why, in your opinion, are referrals so important? Well, everyone in sales knows referrals are good. I mean, if you don't like the word referrals, think of the word personal recommendation. In other words, if you want to go and speak to a stranger, you can either go to them directly, not easy, or you go to one of your mates and you say, can you introduce me to your mate? And so it's way better. Everyone knows this. Um, and referrals accelerate everything. They accelerate access. So you get into people much quicker. Uh, and also they accelerate trust. You just said about the word trust then. Um, one of the things you have to build as a salesperson is trust as quickly as possible. Well, if you have a referral, you get trust almost instantly. And trust is always important, but it particularly is when your customers are rattled because there's a big virus crisis going on. <laughs> so fact number one, everyone knows referrals are great. Uh, fact number two, everyone knows we never get enough of them. <laughs> like, you know, you want referrals into your target market. Weirdly, your target market wants referrals into great suppliers. So everybody wants referrals, but there just aren't enough of them. And the reason is people aren't good enough and diligent enough at regularly asking for them, relentlessly doing it. So what I want to do, if this is okay, Jack, just two or three minutes to show you the main things you have to do to get more referrals. And as I do that, for anyone listening, I'm going to start off with a very simple exercise for everyone listening. All I want you to do is either think about or write down the number of referrals you've asked for in the last two weeks. There we go. I'm going to do it now, as well. Yeah, you do it as well, Jack. You don't have to read your answer out loud. But <laughs> so um, that's the first question. Second question is, Hand on heart, if you would prioritize asking for referrals, how many referrals could you have asked for in the last two weeks? And I've asked this question to a few people, and very often people say, uh, none, uh, one. 
for the first answer. And the second answer, they got on, I don't know, five or 10. I just didn't have time. And the minute here I didn't have time, what I think is there's one of three things going wrong. Either you got the when wrong, so you didn't ask at the right time, or you got the who wrong, you didn't ask the right person, or you got the what wrong, you didn't say it in the right way. Because with referrals, there's only three things to get right. The who, the what, and the when. So let me run through those. We'll start off with the when, because that's the easiest one. And um, every week, without fail, I ask for at least one referral. In the last two or three weeks, because of this coronavirus stuff, I've asked for four or five referrals every week. Now you might think, well, that's all right for you, Andy. I'm sure you've got lots of free time. No, I haven't. I do full day masterclasses. I haven't got time to do anything. But the reason I'm able to ask for referrals is this. In my diary, I have a regular diary entry that says, get this, Jack, it's so clever, ask for a referral. <laughs> but it's in the diary, and it's Genius. a regular diary entry. I know, I, I write, write that down. Genius stuff. <laughs> so what I do is when it comes up, I have the discipline not to press snooze, not to press dismiss, but I ask for a referral. And I don't beat myself up if people say no, but I absolutely annihilate myself if I don't ask. Because I can't control whether they say yes or not, but I can control whether I ask. So if anyone's listening to this and wants a top tip, change your diary and change every single diary in every single team member to have at least one request a week for a referral. Imagine if you've got a team of 10 and you do that and you diligently stick to it, your team will ask for 10 referrals next week and 10 the week afterwards. By the end of the year, you've asked for 500 referrals. Well, do you know what? Your sales target's not looking as bad now. So that's the easy thing. Get it in the diary. Make sure you do it. The second also, thing sorry, is just the to go in oh, on sorry, that. Mate, sorry, go on. Andy. Yeah, yeah. So when we're talking about when, obviously, when we should be asking, that's definitely something that we can do. But when mm -hmm. in a sales process should we ask as well? Like if we're working with a client, at what point mm -hmm. should we be asking them for a referral? It's whenever you want. I mean, generally, um, if you ask in the way I'm going to explain later, there's quite a nice way to ask. So it almost doesn't matter when you ask. But at the end of the day, you are asking them to do something. So the basic rule of reciprocity is it's easier to ask them to do something when they like you at least a bit. So I would suggest you don't go in and on day one, give me three names before I leave because you haven't given enough value to warrant asking for it in return. So what I do is I always think when they look like they love me is probably quite a good time. Um, and if they don't love me till the end of the program, that's fine. Um, if they've enjoyed the program, but I think the love will be greater when they implement this stuff, I say to them, do you mind if I check back in a month to see how you're doing? Because when I check back in a month and they're flying, then they love me then. So get as much love as you can before you ask. Just basic rule of reciprocity. Makes sense. Thank you. Okay, cool. So I love that question. Great. So please keep, free, keep interrupting me because I yeah, just never stop well, talking. Please on, on the chat and the Q&A as well, just chuck questions. We'll ask as many of them as we can. Um, I'm, I think this session is going to be really popular. So, uh, so we'll try our best to get through all of them. But yeah, please, please keep asking the questions. Okay, nice one. Yes, good stuff, Jack. Right, so I said the three things, the who uh, and the when and the what. And we've already done the when. We've got it in the diary. Uh, and you just have to ask one person a week. And the great thing about this is, Jack, it doesn't have to be a client you're working with now. Just look back at your sent items. Look at someone you worked with three months ago. Give them a ring. How are you doing? Is everything all right? Oh, well, I'm on. Yeah, it's not hard. Just have to do it. So that's the when. The who... Now, there's two ways to do referrals. What you do is either you go to your existing mates and go forward. So let's say I've got a friend called Roger, because Roger the referrer. So I can go to my friend and say, Roger, could you recommend me? That's one way to do it. Or what you do is you go to your targets. And if you've got a target list of people you were going to call, call anyway, well, that's your list of targets. So you can go to your target and work backwards to find a referrer. 
So the question you asked me before, Jack, was very much about going forward. You ask your client, and that's a great way to do it. But if you have a target list, what people normally do is they go to the phone and jump on the phone and give it a go. I never go to the phone first. The first thing I do is I go to LinkedIn first. And if you go to their profile, they have a thing on LinkedIn called Mutual Connections, which is everyone who both me and you know. So let's say I wanted to speak to you and I'm scared stiff because I don't know you. Well, I go on your profile, I see Mutual Connections. There's Gabby, me and Gabby, Bezzy mates, as we say in Liverpool, and I ring Gabby up and ask for the introduction to you. So that's a really easy way to do it. You either go to your clients and say, can you recommend me that way? Or you go to your target list and go back to LinkedIn to find a friend. That easy. Perfect. Okay? Now comes the biggie because people say to me, I hear all this, Andy, but I don't think my clients would like me doing it. And the minute someone says anything about that, which is to do with confidence, I always know it's to do with scripts. Because if you don't quite know what to say, you won't have the confidence to say it. And you'll make up reasons you won't. You'll say things like, oh, my clients would hate it. It won't work very well. You've no idea. What that is, is your unconfidence because you don't know how to ask. So here, ladies and gentlemen, is the script I use. I use it every week, at least once a week. And I don't care if people say no, but every single week I ask it. And here's my very clever thing. What I do is I don't use the word referral. I use the word advice. Because imagine, Jack, if I say to you, can you refer me into so-and-so? And you don't feel comfortable doing that. Well, straight away, there's a bit of conflict. One of us feels embarrassed and wish we hadn't done it. So what I do instead is I say, um, can I ask your advice about something, Jack? Now, your only answer to that is, yeah, because with respect, you're nosy and you want to know what it is I want to know. And I say, I see on LinkedIn that you have good um, uh, connections with this particular person. Or I might say, I see on the organization chart, you're in charge of Division A, but there's someone in charge of Division B. So I'm very specific with who I want. So let's say this person's called, I don't know, Geraldine. And then I say, Jack, I'd really love to speak to Geraldine because I might be able to help her, but I don't want to cold call her because I don't think she'd like that. Can I ask your advice? You know her. How would you suggest I approach her? It's so clever because what happens is, here's if you say, how would you advise I approach you? What do you think pretty much everyone says? I'll just well. introduce you. And I go, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah. And then they just introduce you and I'll say, great. Do you need any information from me? How can I help you with that? When might you be able to do it? That's great. Thank you. And what will happen is they either say, I'll introduce you or sometimes they say, oh, just email her. So I say, okay, yeah. I'll do that. Would you mind, Jack, if I included your name in the email to Geraldine, just so she knows it's not a cold email. She knows I've got a connection. And of course you'll say, yeah, fine, whatever. So now what happens? Sorry, go on, yeah? Go on, I'll come to the question from the chat in a minute because, um, yeah, I'll come to it in a minute. Okay, right, cool. So the final thing I want to say about this, Gabby, is when I then send the email to this magical Geraldine, Jack has given me his name. Now, what often happens, normally when we email people asking for a meeting, we call the email meeting request. So, of course, that sounds boring to a customer. It sounds like they're going to be sold to. So, like, Geraldine will just delete it. But the thing that Geraldine knows about me, the only thing she knows about me is Jack. So therefore, I changed the email title to this. Geraldine, comma, Jack Smith suggested I email you, dot, dot, dot. So it actually goes in the subject line of the email. So Geraldine, if you think about Geraldine's poor old inbox, you'll have 300 things called FYI, 800 things called update. And in the middle, it says, Geraldine, your friend Jack suggested I get in touch. She's bound to open it. 
And then I can just have a quick, hi, Geraldine, you and I haven't met, but Jack thought it was worth us speaking. He tells me you specialize in this. I specialize on that. And he suggested we might have a chat. With your agreement, I'll give you a call tomorrow and we can have a catch up. So every week, without fail, I ask my advice script. So how would you advise I approach Geraldine Jack? He'll either say, he'll introduce me, or he'll say, just email it, in which case I say, can I use your name? The success rate with that is monumental, but it isn't if you don't have it in your diary because you won't have time to do it. Amazing. Love that. I really like that structure. I think that's really tangible. Thank you. There's a couple of questions coming through um, uh-huh. from people perhaps early in their career, so in SDR, BDR roles, who are asking, what about if they're in the position of where they're still building up their contacts, so their LinkedIn connections aren't as vast, how mm-hmm. do you suggest um, SDRs and BDRs or junior salespeople best utilise referrals? So that is a brilliant question. And I remember when I started uh, my business, I was exactly the same. Like I had the idea referrals were good, but I didn't know how to do it. Um, so what I did was this. It doesn't matter how senior or junior you are, this is a good little technique. What you do is you go on your phone and look at your contacts you ring the most. Like Just have a look at calls you've made in the last month and, and get the 10, 15, 20 names that you speak to most because they're probably your busy mates. And then what you do is you write the names down, because I'm old, so I use paper and pen. So I write the names down. And then next to that, I do two columns. And one column is called power to refer. So how powerful are they to refer? So if you spoke to, I don't know, Richard Branson in the last couple of months, he's very powerful referrer probably. And then the right-hand column is desire to refer. So power is, do they know useful people? And desire is, how much do they like me? Yeah. Now, if you do that, we say your 20 most recent contacts, what you'll find, and I just grade them between A and C. So A, total power, or A, total love, and C, frankly, not very good. So Richard Branson might be an AC for me. So A, he has the power to refer me to anyone, like kings and queens, everyone, but C, because he doesn't really like me very much. Yep, so he's an A for power, but he's C for desire. So if you do that with all your main contacts and give them a grade between A, B, and C, how could they refer you? And do they want to refer you? Even if you're new at your job, it might be just the mum or dad of one of your mates works for a big company. You know, it might just be, you know, someone from Pareto and Pareto people are well connected, you know, and all of a sudden you might not have A, 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 but often you have a few B's in there and that gives you a simple place to start, Gabby. And would you normally pick up the phone to them or would you perhaps drop something in an email? First of all, we've got a couple of people asking, how do you approach that initial conversation? You can do it however you like. My, the thing that works best for me is chatting. I prefer to go verbal because um, I mean, you can tell I'm quite gobby and like that. So I quite like <laughs> chatting and say, but I never ring up um, just for the referral. I ring up and, and ask how they are and check how things are going and all that stuff. And I always offer to help them first. How can I help you and all that. Um, so, so I go verbal. That's my preferred way of doing it. Writing is okay, but it's less intimate. And at the end of the day, you are asking someone to lend you their contact. If you were going to ask someone to lend you their car, you probably wouldn't do that in an email. <laughs> what, what if they say, yeah, of course, I can introduce you, but mm-hmm. leave it with me, I'll get it sorted. And then a week, two weeks later, nothing's happened. How, how would you approach yeah, that? That's a really good question. So what, what I do with that is I say, so if you remember when I said, well, if I said to you, Jack, recommend me to Geraldine and you say you will, and I ask you questions like, great, thanks very much. And um, what information do you need from me to make it easy for you to do that, Jack? And you'll say, no, I'm fine. And then I say, 
I'm not pushing on this, but just out of interest, when do you think you might be next speaking to her? I'm not pushing, I just wonder. And whatever your answer is, I had three days to it, and I put a note in my diary to ring you back. Yeah. And yeah. so let's say you say you'll do it for me next middle of next week. I put a note at the end of next week in my diary, because otherwise I'll forget. Yeah. yeah. And I ring you next week and I say, hi, Jack, how have you? You had a good week. Um, just checking in. If I remember correctly, and I might not have done, but I think you said you were going to speak to Geraldine by Wednesday this week. I just wonder if you've had a chance to do it. So I used the timeline you gave me. Sure. And that's that diligence that you were talking about yeah. as well. It's not just asking it, but it's kind of following through on it and having a structure in place to make sure that you can, I guess, get what you've asked for. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the diary is, it's the most useful thing a salesperson has. I don't know how good or bad your memory is or people who are listening to this. I don't know how good or bad your memory is, but I'll tell you whose memory is better. Your diary. So remind yourself. So what I do at the end of each day is, I mean, this is really simple, but it's a good top tip. At the end of each day, I look at every single thing I've done, webinar with you beautiful people, um, a few calls with clients this morning, blah, blah, blah. Every single thing I've done in the day, I make sure I do any follow-up there and then, and I put a reminder in the diary to follow up on whenever the due date is. Yep, so at the end of today, I'll probably bang out an email to you two saying, thanks very much. I'm glad you like the referrals, but I'm sorry I messed up the second half or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, so I do that, but I'll put a reminder in my diary next Wednesday or Thursday to say, have you had any feedback from the webinar? How else can I help anyone who dialed in? Yada, yada. And with respect to you and Gabby, next Wednesday, you might not come in my mind because I'm thinking of the people I'm seeing on Wednesday, but my diary never forgets anything. Amazing. And, and Charlotte's asked a really good question here. And um, what happens if you message someone and they don't respond? And how would you then go back to them um, and follow up without sounding pushy? So this is, so is Charlotte asking here, so you introduced me to Geraldine. I go to Geraldine, but Geraldine doesn't come back to me. Is that what I you I think mean? either. I just said it's a big issue all the time. I think it's the initial message and the message after, let's say you're prospecting and you're sending emails and, or you're sending LinkedIn messages, you're getting no responses but you don't want okay, to sound cool. pushy. She's, she's asked, how can you message them again without sounding pushy? So I think, um, linking on from what you were saying earlier, when you go back to them the second time, how do you make that second contact not sound pushy, whether it be over email or phone? Okay, great stuff. So this is what I do. So let's say we're using the thing about, um, uh, I've gone to, this is referral talk, yeah? So if I've cold emailed somebody, which frankly I never do because it hardly ever works in my business, I never cold email, I hot email. So I speak to Jack first and Jack says, use my name in an email, so it's now a hot email. So I don't do cold emailing ever um, because that doesn't work for my business. Um, but so if I'm talking about a hot email, if I've gone to Geraldine and she hasn't replied, well, with respect to Geraldine, I have no relationship with her at all. And with respect to Geraldine, I don't even care about her. I only care about Jack because he's my friend. So what I do is if Geraldine doesn't reply, I go back to Jack and I use my word advice again. And I say, Jack, can I ask your advice? Remember how you suggested I should email Geraldine? Well, I have done and she hasn't come back. Normally what I'd do is I'd follow up now, but I absolutely don't want to do that if that puts you in an embarrassing position. You know her, I don't. What do you think we should do? Or maybe do you want to have a chat with her? I mean, what should we do? And so what I do is I use Jack, my contact. I don't badger Geraldine because the worst thing that could happen will be to embarrass Jack. That would be awful because he's my contact. She isn't. I'll do it myself anyway, most of the time. Um, so we've, we've gone over loads on this and there's going to be loads more questions but um, if we go on to the second topic now because I know we've, we're covering loads of really important stuff today so if we're looking at what should we go on to next if we look at creating a good first impression 
um, how to how to create kind of that wow in the in the first moment when meeting someone. What's your opinion in terms of the best way in which we can do that, be it over the phone or um, on an email or also now um, over webinars like this? Okay, so I have a really simple answer to this. Um, practice, which sounds so boring. I mean, what was my thing for referrals? Put something in the diary. I bet everyone's really glad they've dialed into this inspirational <laughs> talk, aren't they? Practice. This is why it's so important. Every single person knows that first impressions drive everything. Like, we all know this, yep. Uh, and when we go and see a customer, we might put on our fancy dancing pants, or now we're doing webinars, we keep our pajama pants on, but we've got our fancy dancing shirt on, and all that good stuff. So we practice the first impression physically, but almost nobody practices the first impression verbally. Now, when you speak, your first impression is your opening sentence. Uh, everyone listening to this, hand on heart, how good are you at practicing your opening sentence before a meeting? Everyone's rubbish at it. Um, when you write, your first impression is your title. Again, everyone listening, hand on heart, how good are your titles? And if you, if you think, oh, I'm sure I'm above average, like pretty much everyone thinks they're above average. I remember speaking at a sales conference once and I said, I want to make sure I pitched my talk at the right level. So I'm going to ask you in a second to put your hand up if you think you're above average or below average, and I'll pitch my talk at the right level. So can you all put your hand up if you think you're above average? So what do you reckon? Yeah, yes, I knew like 3,000 hands all going all above average. So I said, right, so you're all above average. And they went, yes, we're all above average. And I said, right, let me tell you how averages work. Half of you are worse than average because that's what an average is. So <laughs> half the people on this webinar, sadly, are worse than average at good first impression. So a good little sense check for you all. Have a look at the most recent email you sent and look at the title. Yeah. And if your title is FYI, update, catch up, anything like that, first impression isn't very good. Then have a look at the most recent proposal you sent. Um, I recently won some work. And when you have the feedback, when you win the work, and I said, like, you know, what did you like best about my proposal? Because obviously I'll start my work with what you like best. That's yeah, a nice way to get feedback that. Um, and he said, to be honest, it was yours to lose based on the proposal title. I said, oh, what do you mean? He said, well, we had uh, three proposals come in. One was called Our Proposal. Not a good first impression. One was called Our Proposal to X Limited, because they tailored it. And yours, of course, was called How You'll Generate 50 Million Pounds in Three Months. He said, whose did we open first? <laughs> yeah. So therefore, when you're emailing, your titles have got to be good. Like when I emailed Geraldine, I use your name because that's the only thing we've got in common. And um, when I'm doing a proposal, the customer's main priority goes in the title. When I'm meeting with someone, I diligently practice what my opening sentence is going to be. So I had a conversation with someone this morning. I know they're mega busy. So I could rock out the normal salesperson's line of, thank you for sparing the time. And I'll try not to be too long. I hate that because it's deferential. They don't want someone deferential. They want someone useful. So they don't want thank you for sparing the time. They want a really punchy start. So all I did at the start of my conversation is I've been really looking forward to our chat. I've prepared for it by asking a couple of your peers in other sectors some, um, some questions, which I think you'll find useful. And I'm looking forward to telling you what they told me. So in that first sentence, they can tell I've done research. They can tell I've spoken to their peers. They can begin to see he's going to help me calibrate. He's going to help me learn things. And he's not thinking, but why didn't Andy thank me for my time? Yeah. Yeah, so, so you true. absolutely have to practice. A lot of the stuff you've been talking about, that it, it seems, what, 
what ratio do you put in your time in terms of preparation to, uh, I guess, actually doing the work? So a lot of things you've talked about are kind of talking about the work you've done prior. What split mm. do you put to that? Um, well, it depends on the person. My, my preparation time, uh, the key three words are more than none. <laughs> All right? Do more than no prep. You're so a genius. Says, Where are you getting this from? There we go. It's just like, really, I think um, my daughter, we call her child one. We don't give them names anymore. She's listening to this. This is why your dad's so wise. Um, <laughs> so, so just do more than no prep. So any salesperson will tell you at least once in their life, I didn't prepare for that meeting because I didn't have time. And I hate that as an excuse. You did have time. You just didn't prioritize the prep. And even if you've got no time at all because you've messed your diary up, as you're picking the phone up, just think what your opening sentence is as you're dialing the number. You know, just do more than no prep. My, my rule, if you care, my bias is I need to make sure I practice my opening sentence out loud at least five times. That's my bias. So it's like I speak at conferences quite a lot. And if you ever speak at a conference, it's quite a daunting thing. You have loads of lights in your face. And if you're bald, which I unfortunately am, they're all shining off your head and everyone's probably laughing anyway. There's thousands of faces looking at you. And if your first sentence is rubbish, everyone in the audience and me is really upset. But if I do a ninja first sentence, everyone in the audience and me thinks we probably will be all right here. So your first sentence is so pivotal that what I do is I practice saying my opening sentence out loud at least five times. Okay. And if it's a mega um, conference with loads of people, I might do it 10, 15, 20 times. And I do this for a living. So anyone listening, if you want a bare minimum, know your opening and say it five times out loud. Because if you get that right, you should be fine. And the opening as well. Um, it sounds like the structure of you've you use the thing that will most interest them. Is that what you will always do when um, creating that kind of opening sentence? Always. Yeah, always. Um, and it works very well. So I was talking to a sales director recently. He sent an email out to his team and nobody replied to it. And he said, I didn't understand that because I was asking for their figures. And I said, okay, well, maybe you, the email didn't cut through. What was your email called? And he said it was called figures. And I thought, well, <laughs> there you go. That probably didn't hurtle to open that. Um, so what we did is I said, like, why will they care about the figures? I mean, if you want to do a very quick, simple thing, call it figures and then put a little dash and say a quick question to ask, dot, dot, dot. If you put that in the subject line, figures, a quick question to ask, dot, 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 people naturally want to open the email because they want to see what the question is. I mean, you have to then have a quick question. You can't go, ha ha, got you, and have a big rant. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that is really simple. So any email at all, just put, call it what you were going to call it and just put dash a quick question, dot, 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 or dash please can you, dot, dot, dot. But in this case, he said, I can write what I like. They never open it. So I said, okay, well, let's make it more sexy. What's the most important thing to them? Just as we said then, Jack. And what we did is they wanted their commission. And I said, well, their figures impact their commission. He goes, yeah, the figures are what causes the commission. So we resent the email with this title and he got 100% response in 45 seconds. I don't know why. The second email was called, making sure you get paid this month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what that. you do is you go straight to the thing they're most interested in. And if you can't think of that, just say something at least intriguing. I've got a quick question to ask. Or like when I ask for a referral, I say, can I ask your advice? It's quite intriguing. It pulls you in because you want to know what the advice is. And how, how does it, about, oh, sorry, Gab, she go. Just on that, how about uh, for the advice of those people that are, will be using this advice uh, for when prospecting, how do you identify what you think a prospect might be interested in? So how would you utilize this advice when speaking to people that you don't know? Okay, great question. So 
Um, sorry to repeat myself. First thing I do is I try and get a referral anyway. Yeah. So um, if I'm trying to prospect Geraldine, first thing I do is I go on LinkedIn because if I if I can find Jack will introduce me, that bypasses your question entirely. Yeah. So it's not that it's a bad question. It's a great question, but I bypass it if I can. The yeah. second thing I do is I go on LinkedIn. If they are on LinkedIn, if I can't find a mutual connection, I look at their most recent posts. And this is dead clever, this guy, because what you do, look at their most recent posts, and I find a post they've done recently that I have a thought on. So let's say you did a post um, this week saying the troubles of cold calling in today's world or something like that. Then what I would do is I would email you through LinkedIn, and I would say, I have a quick question about your post about cold calling in today's world. So what I do is I use your post in the email title. Why? Because why is the only reason anyone posts anything on LinkedIn is to get noticed. So therefore, imagine Geraldine, a total stranger. She either has Jack's name in there. She knows Jack. She likes Jack. She wants to know why Jack suggested I speak. Or she sees, I've got a question about the post you wrote yesterday. She thinks, oh, thank goodness I wrote it. So they're my favorite things to do. I go to mutual connections. I then go to the posts. If I can't do anything at all, then what I do is I include the word quick question in there somewhere. Yeah, because quick question, I find the most um, enticing combination of words. So if you're writing to someone um, and you want to talk about, or oh, what might it be? So some of the sales training that you guys might do, I might say something, um, sales training dash, a very quick question to ask dot, dot, dot. And again, it's quite hard not to open that because you want to finish the sentence. Love that. So first of all, ideally you can get some form of referral. Secondly, you'll go to their activity online, have a look mm -hmm. at one of the posts or articles they've written. And I think that also appeals to people's egos as well. Like you say, of someone's there, probably out of hours, time and effort to prepare something. So I love that. Thank you for that tip. Yeah. Hey, no, you're welcome. Quick question here. From, I love um, it. What should we talk about now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. My wife doesn't look great. Um, so a quick question from Madalena, um, just saying that she sends connection requests saying that she finds their work interesting and thought provoking. Mm -hmm. um, and would like to connect and gets a lot of acceptance, acceptances yeah. from this. How yeah. does she turn that conversation into a commercial one? Okay, great question. So first thing that I want to say there is um, if you're doing something that works, keep on doing it. Like, I mean, if anything I say you think might enhance it, by all means try it. But if you've got something that works, just crack on. Um, what I then do, what I would then do, if she's done the thing like this and got a good response and got a connection request, what I then do is I try and get a verbal conversation going because there's only so far you can get if you're doing it by email. email tennis is okay, but it doesn't build up trust. It just builds up length, I find. Yeah, so you can have like loads of chats, but you don't tend to love each other anymore. So in the second email, I might say something like, um, thanks for accepting. Um, I noticed on your post, you recently talked about so-and-so. I've got some experiences about that that I'd love to share with you and hear a bit more on your views about this too. So um, would you mind letting me know when's a good time for us to have a quick five-minute chat about it? Yep. So in effect, I still use the post, you know, your recent post activity, because if you're not careful, you just end up getting loads of connections, but you never talk to any of them. Well, that is nice for your ego, but it actually doesn't bring any business in. So have a second email that says something like, great to connect. I noticed a post on this. I also know something about this. Let's chat. 
Amazing. Thanks for that. And, and on that as well, if you're, uh, if you're just going into the world of sales, so you're uh, a BDR and mm-hmm. you're targeted on KPI, so I don't know whether it's say 80 contacts um, a day to make, mm-hmm. um, your, your approach is really tailored and really bespoke. How, how, is it, how would you scale it? How is it scalable to, uh, kind of, to create that activity as well? So it depends on the organization. I mean, I'm always a bit wary when organizations only focus on the input of their sales teams. It's like, make 80 calls. I don't care if they're dreadful as long as it's 80. I never quite understand that. I think you're better off focusing on the outputs. Like, your job isn't to make calls. Your job is to get appointments in the diary after the calls or whatever it is. (laughs) So I'd rather people focus on the outputs than the inputs. But if you have one of these where it's just like, just hit as many people as you can, um, then again, my magical three words, how much prep do you do? More than none. So what you might do is before you ring up magical Geraldine, we're not using you, we're not using the post, um, I would at least suggest going on Geraldine's LinkedIn and finding something you've got in common. You know, because that might only take you 20 seconds. You both work for the same place. You both have a mutual connection, so-and-so. You both support the same team. Find something, because if you call them blind, the odds of getting through gatekeepers, strangers, when everyone's stressed and everyone's busy and everyone's distracted by this lockdown anyway, unless you've got some ninja skills, it's almost nil. <laughs> totally. Amazing. And um, with outreaches, um, looking question from Helen, um, from people you've had in your LinkedIn for a while, um, are you less warm um, with that approach? Is there any difference to, let's say, I guess you've sent them a request, they haven't accepted for a while. Um, mm-hmm. how would you keep going within that if they are less warm? Like you're talking about finding another, another way in. What's your process? Yeah, so, so my process is a little bit different than what probably best practice advises. Um, one of the reasons is my company's called Andy Bounds Limited and I'm Andy Bounds. So they're not going to sack me. <laughs> so um, what I do is I'll try twice and then I'll just pack in. And the reason is because if, I don't know how many people are on LinkedIn. I don't want to exaggerate the numbers, but what is it? 900 billion or something, you know? So yes, I'd really like to get through to so-and-so, but if I can't after a couple, I give up. Um, so if I've used a mutual connection and I've used the post uh, that talks about one of their posts, if those two don't work, the odds of me getting a reply go down so far, I can't be bothered. Or I'd rather try with someone else. So my personal bias, Jack, is probably not what most people would advise. I stop after a couple. Um, uh, if you think that's a bit low, go to three or four. But remember, as a salesperson, your job is four words. Sales up. You have to get sales going up. But number two, time down. Yeah. So you don't want to be wasting your time doing stuff that was never going to work anyway. So if you're, I mean, someone said to me, um, when would it be? I don't know. It feels quite recently. It probably wasn't four or five weeks ago. They said, Andy, can you give me some advice? I've sent nine emails to this prospect and they haven't replied to any. What would you advise I write in the 10th? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> stop emailing them. Like, try something else. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, at least. Don't, yeah, don't give, like, take, take a hint. Um, so, don't give up good time after bad. Your job is sales up, time down. Have your limit. And once you know your limit, mine's two, you might want to try three or four, but then cut off. It's hard to cut off when you're stressed. It reminds me when... And child four was born. So we really ought to give them names. Like when child four was born um, and he wasn't a very good sleeper. And we're trying to make a rational decision at three o'clock in the morning when he's woken us up for the fourth time. And it's just really hard to do. So what we did is we said, it's so stressful and hard to make a decision when you're so knackered. 
that we just have this little table, which is if he wakes us up between this and this time, we'll do this. If it's this is this time, we'll do this. And this is this time. So it meant we had this really simple list to follow, no matter how stressed we were. So my best advice I could give you here is have a list to follow. So if you do get stressed, you still follow the list, no matter how tired you are. Amazing. Appreciate that. Um, Let's say there's a question from Henry here. If there's no one to refer you to, so no mutual connections, no relevant recent posts, mm-hmm. how would you approach that situation then? Okay, all I would do then is I would do as much research as I could, which is more than none, and then not too much because of sales up, time down, I might be wasting my time. I want to do what I can to find out something they're interested in, if I can. So I'll go on Google and type in their company name. I'll type in their competitor's name. Um, I might do some window shopping um, in one of their shops or try and buy something offline. I'll just try and do something. Um, I don't want to spend too long with it um, because I can't be bothered and I'm not sure it's got a very high chance of success because the others have got more chance of success. Sure. Um, But I find something I find that I think they'll be interested in and then I use that in the first two or three words and then I put a dash and I have a quick question to ask dot, dot, dot. I can't overemphasize that. Just try it. Next email you do, ladies and gents, call it what you were going to call it and put dash a quick question to ask dot, dot, dot. And you'll be surprised at how much quicker people respond to it. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that advice. There's a question from Faz here. Um, saying he works in an intermediated market and currently work through them to win new business from their clients. Mm-hmm. What's the best way to work with the end decision maker without annoying the, the middleman, essentially, or the intermediary? Okay, great stuff. So what you absolutely must do, because the intermediary is like your referrer. So in the case before, you might be the intermediary and Geraldine is the end client. Sure. So the golden rule with any sort of referral, whether it's an intermediated um, thing or it's just my mate Jack talking to his mate Geraldine, the golden rule with referrals is you have to make the referral look good. That's the golden rule. It is impolite, it is bad manners, it is in, and it is not good practice to make the referral look bad. So if you recommend me to Geraldine and I go and talk to Geraldine and I don't impress her um, or I say something derogatory about you or I bypass you and cut you out of the loop, if I was you, I would be furious and I would tell as many people as, as possible that Andy Bounds is not to be trusted. Yeah, and probably if I was you, I'd go to Geraldine and say, you're not going to believe what he's said to me. So you've got to make the referral look good. First, because it's the right thing to do and secondly, because it does you harm if you don't. So with an intermediated thing, if you're talking to this person and want to get through to the Geraldine, what we have to do is we have to appeal to the intermediary, the referrer's self-interest. And we say something like this. Can I ask your advice, please? That's magical word advice. And you say, in my experience, Mr. Intermediary, with these things, there's always a question that the client will ask you about me that with respect, you can't answer because you're not me. Something always comes up. It always does. And when these questions come up, they always slow things down and no one looks too good with this. So I always find just for the sake of five or 10 minutes, it's worth the three of us getting together quite early in proceedings just so we can make the connection. Me and him can then separate and you can run the whole thing, but it's useful just to make sure this doesn't happen. Wouldn't want to put you in an awkward position. Wouldn't want that to happen. It's not good for anyone. What would you advise is the best way to get the three of us together for a short period of time pretty quickly. So you can hear here that what I'm doing is I'm putting it in the intermediary's interest 
to have that because if they don't, the intermediary is going to be asked a question by Geraldine that the intermediary can't answer and that doesn't make the intermediary look good. And I carry on getting over the objection of, I'm not going to take over here. You can have sole power, but it's worth the three of us getting together to start with. I find that works best. Appeal to their self-interest. Amazing. Thank you for that. Um, so a question here from Natasha. How would you ask, um, instances me, how would you ask Jack for more referrals after you've connected with Geraldine? So once you've got a referral, how do you then keep the supply coming? Good. So um, thanks very much. Another great question. God, you are very clever, aren't you? Um, so research suggests... Still below average, though. <laughs> well, yeah, everybody else Some. is above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just bring it down, mate. Yeah. Um, so... Um, oh God, I've totally thrown myself with being so rude to you. How do you ask more referrals? I know, I know. So yeah, research, yeah. research shows that the customer who's most likely to buy is an existing customer. You know, they're already used to buying, so they don't mind giving you a bit more money. So what I did when this lockdown hit is I rung all of my main customers and said, are you all right? What impact is this having on your face-to-face -face sales? Is there anything you want me to do now to help you? And like half of them bought stuff. Um, and you might think that's good selling. I just think it's good helping because uh, they really need help with their sales at the minute. They can't do any face-to-face -face selling at the minute. So it's very helpful to have someone who's offering to help. So I would call that proactive client service and it was good, but it does show the golden rule of sales. The customer you've got is more likely to be the customer will buy something. Now, why do I tell you that? Because in the referral space, an existing referrer is the most likely next referrer. So if you've referred me once to Geraldine and it's gone well, you're more likely to refer me to person number two than a total um, newbie referrer is. So what I would do in that case, and great question by, uh, by that lady, by the way, is after I've spoken to Geraldine, I'll come back to you, Jack, and I would simply say this. Jack, are you happy with how I looked after Geraldine? Did I do everything you wanted? Did I enhance your relationship with her? Are you happy? Uh, if you say no in any way, I will be distraught and I will do everything to fix it. But people always say yes, because I'm so big on this. People always say, yeah, I'm delighted. Thanks very much. That's great. And I say, that's cool. She's happy as well. Um, quick question. You know how Geraldine's happy and you're happy and I'm happy. Um, who else do you know who you and I might similarly be able to help? Yep, so you bring them into it. There. Yeah. So what I'm basically saying is number one, are you happy I looked after Geraldine? Number two, who else might we be able to work with together? But I've got to ask first if you're happy with how I looked after Geraldine. But if you say yes, then I think that earns me the right to say, that's cool, she's happy, you're happy, I'm happy. Is there anyone else you know who I might also be able to help? Thank you for that. I think that's great. Um, and we've got, a, we've got a question that's a little bit off topic, but I think it's an interesting one. And I've, I've heard mixed, um, I've seen mixed content on this online. So it's from Michael and he's asking about how you're building urgency when trying to gain an order in the current climate, because I think we're all experiencing that decisions um, are perhaps happening higher up the food chain um, and they're perhaps taking a bit longer. So what's your advice for everyone who's currently trying to build urgency right now? Okay, great question. Um, so do you remember I said before that you always have to practice your opening line because your first impression is really important? Well, in sales, there are certain other things that are really important as well. So just as you have to practice your opening line, so too do you need to practice things like how you close. So a question for every single person listening here, we all know the world is different. Even if you happen to be used, from work, used to working from home, your customers probably aren't used to working from home. So the fact is the world's different now. So what closed stuff a month ago might not close stuff now. So therefore you need different closing scripts than you used a month ago. 
So therefore, get time in your diary and diligently work out word for word, just as I have a word for word opening, word for word, how you're going to close stuff. So I'll give you mine very quickly. I find this works well. If you like it, you're welcome. Crack on and use it. Probably you won't like it because you aren't cursed with my personality. So you'll need to do your own version of it. So the first thing I say to them is, uh, based on our chat, are you happy that if somehow we could make this work, this will help you? So that gets away from the, we can't afford it thing. It's like, if somehow we could make it work by putting our magic hats on, if we could make this work, are you happy this will help? Uh, now that's the first question. If they say no, I'll say, oh, I'm glad I checked because I thought it would help. Um, uh, what, what concerns you? So I always ask that. Basically, do you think this might help? And the second question is, I know obviously things are a bit different now, but other than getting this processed, have you got any final concerns about what we've spoken about? So I'm basically trying to get rid of their concerns. So can you see this will help you? And have you got any concerns? Now, if I get past those two, I then say, so I guess the only thing we need to work out then is how we can process this as quickly as possible so we can get cracking as quickly as possible. And um, how would you advise we do this given the current climate? And I see what the customer suggests. Because if the customer's really up for it, sometimes they will give me the answer and I don't need to come up with anything clever. Sometimes they give me a really bad answer and they go, I don't know, everything's changed here. So in that case, I say, well, it will be such a shame for it not to work when we're both so convinced it will. So can we just have a few minutes knocking some ideas around together to see how we might be able to accelerate it? So if you like, what I'm trying to do is I've, I've spoken to my friend, Geraldine, and I really want this thing to happen, but I don't want to feel I'm the outsider to Geraldine and her company. I want me and Geraldine to be friends, and how are we going to take on the company together? So if I say, basically, can you say it will help? Have you got any concerns? Okay, so how can we process this smoothly? I might well have closed the deal already, Gabby, by that, but if not, I say, well, look, we're both so up for this. Let's have five minutes and see what we can come up with. And do you know what? You can often come up with something. Thanks. Brilliant. We've also, um, we've got about 15 minutes left, so we're going to move on to objection handling. Uh -huh. um, I believe you've got a really useful tip and technique for us to, to use in this instance. So, uh, yeah, can you share it with us? I would be delighted to. So, ladies and gentlemen, you might remember when we did referrals, I gave you some cutting-edge advice, which was put it in your diary. Yeah? Uh, and then when we had a look at first impressions, I said, practice it. And these things, they sound so obvious, but and every salesperson thinks they're above average at both those things, but most of us aren't. And if you've got nothing else out of what I've said today, get you and every member of your team to ask for one referral a week, yeah? And practice your first impression of everything. And I can guarantee your sales will go up. They have done with every single company I've ever worked with anywhere, okay? So that will really help you, even though it sounds basic, that's really helpful. As far as objection handling goes, again, it doesn't sound cutting edge, but it's really important. There are three things you've got to do. Number one, you've got to come overcome the objection in your own mind. Now, what I mean by that is, um, I spoke to someone recently who thinks of themselves as a conference speaker. So I do conference speaking, but I don't think of myself as a conference speaker. Let me explain. He thinks he's a conference speaker. And he was saying, my business is basically flatlined because of this bloody virus, because conferences have canceled everywhere. So because deep down, deep, deep, deep down inside himself, he thinks he's a conference speaker, when someone says we're not having any conferences, he can't overcome the objection because that's what he thinks he is. 
You see, deep, deep, deep down, I think my job's to help my clients sell more. And conference speaking is just a mechanism. So if we can't do a conference, we'll do a webinar or I'll write a sales pitch for them or we'll do some remote training or um, they'll send me stuff for me to review or we'll come up with templates or, 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 or. There's millions of ways I can help them. They don't need to see my 3D body on a stage in the same room. They can see my 2D face. It's fine. Who knew? So the first thing is you've got to convince yourself because if you can't, can't convince yourself, you'll never convince them. Now that's really important in today's world because we all know everyone's busy and they're stressed. So you might ring up and say, sorry, I know you're busy and I know you're stressed. And already you're not going to overcome any objection that way. So firstly, bolster your own confidence. That's the first thing. Um, the second two, there's the three steps. The second two are, are linked. You then have to know your script you're going to say, my magical script word. Know your script you're going to say in response to objections. Because what happens is an objection's always thrown at you when you weren't expecting it. So someone will suddenly say, as I had last week, Andy, that's too expensive. Now, no, they didn't say five minutes before, I'm rocking out the price objection if you want to get yourself ready and geared up, breathe in. But I didn't know it was coming. They just went, bam, you're too expensive. I was having a nice time. Um, so you've got to know how you're going to respond. So you have to script this stuff so you can give the answer when it comes. And the second thing is, again, you have to have practiced saying it out loud. Now, with objection handling, what I've done is I got a two-column table and in the left-hand column, I listed every single thing that I was worried about hearing. You're too expensive. You're too cheap. You're too bald. You're too shouty. Um, there's a virus crisis. There's a lockdown. We can't afford it. We've already got an existing supplier. I don't really think training works. You're too big. You're too small. You're too fat. You're too thin. Like just everything. I wrote them all down. And I don't know how many objections everyone in the world has. Let's say there's 10 of them. And then in the right-hand column, I thought, I need a script for each one. And by script, I mean a script that normal people say, not salespeople say. So, um, so for example, when, when the guy said to me last week, um, you're very expensive, and I don't often hear that anymore because usually I've sold the value better than I had done last week. Um, but he said, you're very expensive. So I rocked out my script that I know, and I practiced out loud millions of times, and I just said, Oh, I don't often hear that. Um, why'd you say that? And straight away, the dynamics of the conversation change. You're too expensive. It's almost like, I'm a supplier. No, I'm a customer. You're a supplier. I talk to people like you all the time, and I'm telling you, you're too expensive. Um, and my response is, well, that's interesting, because I'm a supplier, and I talk, talk to customers like you all the time, and nobody else says that. So maybe it's you? So I'm not necessarily saying that that is a script that people will want to use, but this idea of you're too expensive, I don't often hear that. Why'd you say that? That works for me. Now, how can I say this nicely? I don't care if people listening to this don't like my words, but what I do care is about, you have to know what your words are and you've had to, you have to practice them out loud. So another one sometimes people say to me is you're more expensive than our competitors, to which I just reply, good. That means my company's like your company. We've both got competitors who are worse than us but I thought you wanted to maximize your sales here. Is that not right? Or whatever. Now you'll notice from my responses here, Jack, that obviously I'm very confident with them. So number one, I've satisfied my own inner demons. Number two, I've got my script. Number three, I've said it out loud loads of times. But here's the big one. If you notice with my script, they always end with a question. So I'm always saying, I don't often hear that. Why'd you say that? Yeah. Um, all that idea about... Um, uh, so good, that means I'm like you, and we have, I thought you wanted the best possible sales. Is that not right? So we always end with a question. 
And the reason I end with a question is this, in objection handling land, when you handle the objection, there's always two or three seconds silence while the customer processes what you've said. And sometimes they like playing the silence game and just look at you to see if you'll cave. So if you end with a question, there's bound to be two or three seconds silence, but you know, and they know, it's their turn to speak next. So I suggest that when you're doing your two column table and you're writing all these wonderful things down, all these wonderful answers, make sure you always end with a question because that always puts the ball back in their court. So the three steps are, number one, convince yourself, number two, get your script, and number three, practice it out loud. That's it. Thank you for that. And how would we look to, let's say we are doing our table, mm. and we have our 10 objections, and we're yeah. creating the, um, the ways in which we would handle them. Um, but we're, we're not very experienced in this. We've not done it before. We've heard you give a couple of examples. Mm. What, what structure would we use to kind of create that way in which we could handle it? Okay, yeah, um, good question, Jack. So, so if you are in any way experienced at this, you can probably do it by talking to yourself. The key thing is you've got to do it verbally because objections happen verbally. Yeah, and what happens is when people write, they don't write in the way they speak. Like when people write, they say things like, prior to the commencement of. I mean, you'd never yeah. say that if you were talking, you just would say before, you know? And so what happens is people never write as they speak. So, so if you are experienced at this, just talk to yourself. You're too expensive. No, I'm not. You're too expensive. I don't think so. You're too expensive. Why would you say that? Oh, that's better. I'll write it down. If you're not very experienced or you're not hardwired to talk to yourself, find a friend. Yeah. So if you have a colleague, speak to them about it. And what you do is you say to your colleague, I don't really like it when the customer says we're on lockdown. So what I want you to do is I want you to say to me, we're on lockdown and I'm just going to try and respond to you. And it's cool, this exercise, because what happens, Jack, if, so if we were doing this, I mean, we don't need to do this. If you were saying, Andy, we're on lockdown, and I would go, oh, well, um, yes, but I'm very good. What happens is you totally ignore what I've said and try it again. Andy, we're on lockdown. And I have another go. Yes, I know you're on lockdown, but um, so is everybody else. Yeah. And you ignore me again and go, Andy, we're on lockdown. And I go, yeah, I know you're on lockdown, but your customers are still giving money to somebody. I think that's a bit better. And then we swap roles and I say, Jack, we're on lockdown. And you have a go. And I ignore you, Jack, we're on lockdown. So if you get a friend, you have three goes, they have three goes, keep it verbal. You've had six goes and usually by three each, one of them's pretty good. And when you've got one that's pretty good, that's when you write it down. So talk to yourself and say it out loud loads of times or find a friend and do it three times each way and almost always something good will drop out, I find. Practice, practice, practice. Yeah, practice, practice, but practice it um, um, three times each because what you yeah. tend to find is people's first answer is rubbish. And the reason it's rubbish, I mean, that's why they were worried about the objection. If your answer was good, you wouldn't be worried about it, yeah? So, so don't beat yourself up about the first one. You've got to practice it out loud at least three times each, I find. Once or twice doesn't cut it. Amazing. Um, and also, how are you overcoming kind of we're on lockdown? Like, what do you personally use? when people are saying that to you at the moment, like everything stopped, got no budget, we're on okay. lockdown. Yeah, great question. So um, I have like two or three things that I say to that. Um, so one of my favorite ones is um, I use a client's name. So let's say I use the word Frank. So if somebody says we're on lockdown at the minute, I say, um, oh, you sound just like Frank. <laughs> and of course, what does a customer say? Who's Frank? Yeah. And I say, well, Frank's someone I was speaking to three weeks ago who said word for word the same thing. And then we had a chat about how we might be able to get a bit of budget and his sales have already gone up 135 grand. Do you mind if I tell you what I said to Frank? Yeah. And so, I mean, that, that works really well for me and my personality. That's, that's a good one. 
Um, another one is if somebody says, we don't have any budget at the minute, um, you might say something like, um, okay, I understand that. Just out of interest, what would have to happen uh, for budget to be released? And people might say something like, um, well, there's going to be an upturn in the economy. So, well, yeah, but that's not going to happen, is it? So what sort of thing might have to happen internally to your business that will cause budget to be released? And they might say something like, our competitor tries to steal the march on us or our customers start demanding or da-da-da. And then I can say, so are you waiting for that to happen? Because wouldn't it be better to be ahead of that? So just a couple of ways you can do it. I much prefer the, you sound like Frank, because it leans into the, who's Frank? And then you're having a chat. Someone else has overcome it. Maybe I could overcome it too. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing those. Um, really valuable. But I think, like you were saying, you've got to practice it, using your own words, making sure that you are able to um, articulate in a way that's comfortable for you and overcome your own personal demons as well within that. Yeah, um, and it, you know, just what you said then reminds me that I was, I was one of my customers, uh, I did laugh at this actually, he said, when we look at you, Andy, we talk about you a bit behind your back and basically we think you look a bit like Dr. Evil, a bit fat, a bit <laughs> like a fat Dr. Evil. And uh, that's, that's very flattering. Thank you. Um, and he goes, yeah, but our job is not to create a lot of mini-me's. We're not trying to get like, rubbish versions of Andy Bounds. We're trying to get stellar versions of Jack Smith and Gabby Crofts and so on. So, and I said, yeah, that's exactly right. So I don't want anyone here to use my scripts unless it sounds like them personally. You've got to get something that Jack, Jack uses something that sounds like Jack. Gabby uses something that sounds like Gabby. So that's where you have to say it out loud a few times until it feels natural, until it sounds like you. It's like footballers, right? So Cristiano Ronaldo, if he tried to play like Messi, he'd be a rubbish version of Messi, but he's a brilliant yeah. version of Cristiano Ronaldo. So it makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Um, I think it's the okay. same for all of us. None of us want to become carbon copies or robots of another salesperson. But if we can pick different tools or techniques, and that's where I think your tip of practicing out loud is so important that I think so many of us don't do, you will then find the version that is comfortable for you. Yeah. And it's a great job if you're a sales manager. You can do that with your team. So um, I, I always advise sales managers, don't do this. So if you get your team together and say, we're going to have an objection handling meeting, we're going to talk about price. All what happens is your sales team will prepare for it and probably do all right. But customers never tell you, five minutes time, it's coming. What I do is I suggest when you get your sales team together, say, right, guys, I thought what we'd just do is just see how good we are at replying to three or four objections. So I'm just going to choose someone at random. Okay, you, if I said you're too expensive, just out of interest, what would you say? Go. Yeah. And if you want, you can say, I'll lead. We're going to do a bit of like free fall objection handling. So someone throw a client's objection at me go yeah and all these things because what it does is it forces us to practice out loud because we don't know it's coming so we need to be good but we we can't have five minutes warning so we need to be good with no warning makes sense completely and we've got we've got a couple of minutes left so probably uh -huh. time for one more question um i'm just trying to find the best question or one that hasn't come through yet um that we haven't asked um but while we do, while i do that thank you so much for your time today Andy. it's been it's been amazing hey, welcome. really inspiring um any any kind of i guess you've given loads of advice um to us so far but main message to anyone at the moment going through this period um keeping kind of positive attitudes what's your main advice uh, main advice is um yeah, two things really. Uh, sort your inside out and sort your outside out. So what we've been doing today largely has been about your outside. Like, you know, ask for more referrals because you've got to now. You need to accelerate trust. Um, prepare your objection handling. Any salesperson who hasn't yet prepared an answer to, we're on lockdown. 
well, that's not good enough. You know, you, it's coming, isn't it? It's like price objections coming, lockdowns coming. So, so practice all that stuff. Sort your outside out. Um, but the other thing about your inside is just give yourself as much energy as you can. Like, I mean, obviously with child one working for uh, Pareto, I know the energy in your office is amazing. Um, and you get energy just by sitting next to people. But when you're at home, you don't just get that natural energy. You don't hear buzz around you. So if you're not careful, you don't get any energy at all. So work hard to get it. So like this morning, I just went on YouTube for five minutes and watched Michael McIntyre just because it made me laugh. And then I turned YouTube off and went on with work. And the kids have got a trampoline outside. So I go on the trampoline with them for five minutes. I make sure I have a break at least five or 10 minutes every hour just to give myself energy because normal energy stuff doesn't happen anymore. So unless you proactively cause it, you're not going to have it. And that, what I don't want to do is for today to be inspiring. I love that word, Jack. Thank you. For today to inspire people, but two hours later, they're too knackered to use it. That's no good. So use this stuff. It'll help your outside. But please remember to do what you can to keep your energy levels good. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, last question a lot of people have asked. I haven't asked yet. Expected LinkedIn acceptance rates. Do you, do you expecting like 50%? Are you expecting more than that? Obviously, it's based on the input you give to it um is there any kind of rate that somebody should be aiming for yeah it, I mean, it depends how you do it um my approach is i'm looking for um two and three um but then i put a bit more work into it than most people do um because i'm either gonna um use uh i'm gonna look at mutual connections and use that name or i'm going to use a recent post they've done um so i go for two and three if you if you don't want to do that and go for one in 10, that's fine. You don't need to do any prep at all, but then it becomes a numbers game. Um, but if you're going to the effort of trying to connect with someone because you want to connect with them, putting in an extra more than no prep to start with will boost yeah. your numbers. So I go for two in three. Most people are happy with one in three, but just choose your number and make sure you stick at it. Fantastic. Well, look, thank you so much for your time. Um, am I right in thinking there's a few free resources that people can get access there to? There are lots. What I'll do um, is because of lovely Pareto, we've set this up. I'll send the links to my free resources to uh, both you, Jack, and you, Gabby, and you can send it out to everyone. I'll send who's... on to Geraldine as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you would. <laughs> then she'll yeah. take me call. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'll send loads of stuff. I've got videos. I've got loads of posts. I send out free stuff every Tuesday. Um, anyone who's not linked in to me, I post up pretty much every day. So you're all very welcome. It's all there. Um, but yeah, I'll send that to you both and obviously then to Geraldine. Amazing. And yeah, yeah Geraldine needs it. Um, and also guys um, who are listening regularly, our next session is going to be on Wednesday. Please register via the normal link. Um, that's it from us. Um, so thanks, Andy, so much for joining us. I, I really, really enjoyed the session. I'm excited session. to try some of these techniques. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. It was amazing. And, um, and thanks, guys. Stay safe and, uh, and stay at home. Cheers. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks. Bye now. Cheers, guys. Bye.